Genesis 28, 28, verse 10, and it says this. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head and lay down in that place to sleep. By the way, if you find a stone comforting, you know you're hitting some hard times. <laughs> Listen, this man is outside under the stars. Hear me, he's homeless, has just lost everything, and he's sli- This makes hitting rock bottom a whole nother context. He literally hit a rock. It says, then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there were angels of God. Here's a key. They were ascending and descending. Somebody say ascend, descend. Somebody say going up and coming down. I'm going to preach this in a second. The angels go up before they come down. It says, and behold, the Lord God, he stood above it. And he said, I am. Somebody say, I am. I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. And in you, in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am. Somebody say, I am. I am with you and will keep you wherever you go will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, possibly the most powerful words in scripture, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is, watch this. He said, this is the entrance point into heaven. This is nothing other than the gate of heaven. Father God, we are grateful. God, that we have the privilege, the opportunity to to be in your house with your people. To meet with you, and it may sound bold to say that we're meeting with God, but you said wherever two of us are gathered there, you'll be also, God, you're here. You're in that living room. You're in Columbia, and you're Baltimore County, God, and you're here, God, to catapult us forward to the perfect plan, the purpose, the destiny that you have for us. Father God, speak to us. And we declare that as you speak, we will obey. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody shout amen. Come on, somebody shout amen. amen. It's amazing. I've, I've been preaching as a senior pastor for 10 years. I've been preaching probably for 17 years in total, hundreds of messages, probably coming up on a thousand. But every time I take a period of time off, even four weeks, it's kind of like, do I still know how to do this? There's like these like nerves of, do I still have, I'm going to need for y'all to preach with me. Is that okay? Can y'all not say amen with your eyeballs? Can you say amen with your mouth? Can you, can you just, can I just get a, ooh, that's good. Ooh, say that. Like maybe even just stand up, do a little stink face with the way. You know, sometimes preaching is so good, it just smells. You're, mm, come on, just try it. Somebody say, mmm. <laughs> we are, uh, we're starting a series today called Do Not Disturb. Somebody say, Do Not Disturb. 
It's going to be a four-week series on prayer that's getting us ready for our 21 days of prayer that is starting next Sunday. You received, come on now. You received a booklet and a prayer card as you walk through the door at all the locations, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But twice a year, in January and then in August, we set aside 21 days to seek God intentionally as a church because we believe that miracles, signs, and wonders, favor, and open door comes from unusual pursuit. Somebody say, just preach a little bit. If you want what everybody else has, just do what everybody else is doing. But how many people know average stinks? I don't want normal. I don't want what everybody has. I want favor. I want the grace of God. I want prosperity. I want increase. So if I'm going to have what other people don't have, I'm going to have to do what other people don't do. There is a favor from God from those who pursue him in an unusual manner. Somebody say amen. Amen. Over the last, I, I actually was just, as I was preparing this message, it just hit me. Y'all have been a Christian for 21 years. My spirit, man, is finally legal, y'all. Like, I am, <laughs> I'm fi- I finally made it. For 21 years, I've been following God. And I'll tell you, over those 21 years, I have had some encounters with God that have marked me for life. You, you, you know, you go to church, you read your word, you're, you're worshiping, and every single day you spend with God is a great day. Somebody say amen. His mercies are new every morning. But there's just certain encounters that it just marks you. It's just one of those things where it could have happened 15 years ago, but you remember it like it was yesterday. I don't have a lot of them, maybe a handful, but, but there's encounters that I remember that just mark me. The day I got saved was one of those days. I remember being 13 years old. I, I, I don't know if this offends you. I got saved in my room by myself. I, I didn't walk an altar. I, I didn't stand at a platform. They didn't take me to some weird, creepy room in the back and make me say hallelujah over and over and over and over again. I can always tell who grew up in church because you know exactly what I'm talking about. What room, pastor? Just thank God you weren't there. You're good. You're good. I remember being 13 and being in my room. You got to understand I was 13. I was ignorant. I'm so glad God didn't kill me. Y'all, here was my salvation prayer. It was, God, if you're real. The arrogance of a... Y'all lucky I'm not God. I'd have been like, if? So, God, if you're real, prove yourself to me, and I'll follow you for the rest of my life. I said, but if you can't prove yourself to me, I was 13 years old, I was a pastor's kid, I was going to church. I said, as soon as I turn 18, I knew the rules. You live in this house, you go to church. I said, as soon as I turn 18, I'm never going to church. And I remember in that moment, it's not like this for everybody when they get saved. This is just my story. I physically felt guilt and shame lift off of me. For the first time ever, I felt a peace sweep into my heart that I could not explain with words. I just knew it was God. I remember when I was filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time. I remember feeling the power of God on my life. I remember the encounter where I would say, you know, how people say, were you called into the ministry? I don't think I was called into the ministry. I think I volunteered. 
I actually don't even know if I'm called. I'll figure that out when I die and go to heaven. I just know that, <laughs> that nothing I wanted to do with my life more than help connect people with the purpose and the destiny that God had for them. And I remember saying, God, I don't know if you're looking for somebody to use, but if you're doing something in this region, don't do it without me. One of the most radical encounters I ever had with God actually happened five years ago, right around this same season. I don't know how me and my wife do it, but we kind of just plan all of our babies that they're born during someone's 21 days of prayer. It, it's just kind of the way that it happens. My oldest is five uh, on Tuesday, on August 3rd. She turns five years old. So five years ago, she was born in August at the beginning of 21 days of prayer and fasting. So she was born, we brought her home, and then I was in 21 days, well, not fasting in August, but 21 days of prayer. And some of y'all are just like, why are we praying at 6 a.m. in the morning? Here's why it's 6 a.m. Because I'm always up at 6 a.m. because I haven't slept all night long. So I'm like, I might as well pray because I'm up. So because I'm up, you're going to be up as well. <laughs> but I remember we were going through this 21 days of prayer and fasting. It was day 20. I'd literally been up all night long holding the baby so I can get some sleep. And then we kind of did the handoff about 5 a.m. I went to prayer. I can't even remember if I hosted prayer that day or just received. But I went to prayer and I came back home. And, and I want to say this just to help your expectations. It was day 20 of 21 days. And I had heard nothing from God in 20 days. I had shown up, I had prayed, I, was, I felt his presence, but there was no Stephen, not even Stephen, what's up? <laughs> not, this is what the rest of the year is going to look like. This is what I plan on doing. I mean, 21 days of silence. And I'm like, listen, God, yo, I was the pastor of the church. Like, if he's going to talk to anybody, you think? <laughs> and I say that to say, don't get discouraged on day three. If you're like, I, I've been praying and I haven't seen anything. By the way, we don't pray for 21 days to see a breakthrough in 21 days. I'm not seeking God for 21 days because in these 21 days, you better heal me. You better bless my business. You better open the, I'm praying for 21 days because I want the favor of God on my September and October and November and December. I'm not looking for a miracle in a three week span. I'm looking for goodness and mercy to follow me all the days of my life. After 20 days of silence, Zoe sleeps, I sleep and I'm kind of in the house. It's probably about 730 in the morning. Next thing I know, God begins to speak. Y'all, it was like a fire hydrant had just turned on. I ran and I got my computer and I began to write down. And in that moment, over the next hour and a half, God downloaded in my heart what he has called me to build. Watch this for the rest of my life. He literally gave... I hope this doesn't offend you and I hope this doesn't sound arrogant, but hear me. I am overjoyed and amazed by what God has done here at Union Church. We are a blessed church. We have the grace and the favor of God. Somebody say amen. I am grateful for what God is doing at this church, but I'm not surprised by it. Because five years before he ever did it, he told me he was going to do it. I didn't see all the details. And I didn't know exactly how in that moment he just downloaded. And I can't even give you. I've talked to our trustees about that vision. I really haven't shared it with anybody else for my wife. Because it's just kind of so big. It, it's, it, it's a little scary. 
Because, you know, it's like the Old Spice commercial. Look at your man. Look back at me. Look at your man. Look back. <laughs> it's like, look at the reality of your life. Now look at your destiny. Now look at the reality of your life. Now look at, there's just a gap. And I'm just like, God, I'm here. You say I'm going to be over there. I'll leave it up to you. I, I still have those notes in my computer. Every time I get discouraged, every time I feel like God's not speaking to me, it's just like, well, listen, if I never speak to you again, I done spoke so much. You can't fulfill it in a lifetime. Watch this. In spite of that radical encounter with God, I still struggle to pray every day. 21 years of following Christ, 17 years of being in full-time ministry, one of my greatest struggles is being consistent in prayer. Then why are you the pastor? I be thinking that. I'm thinking that too. I'm not going <laughs> to I say that as a moment of transparency of it's amazing how we can have radical encounters with God. We could be in moments where tears are streaming down our face in the house of God. We don't even know why. It's just his peace that, that's settling our heart, that's removing anxiety and fear. We can walk out full of hope, full of courage, full of purpose. And say, I'll see you next week. I mean, let's be real. This is why I'm so glad that, that they don't like have your spiritual resume on LinkedIn for anybody to see. But like, just think over the last eight days that you've had. How consistent have you been with meeting with God every single day? Are you eight out of eight? Are you two out of eight? Wait, hold on. There's a Sunday in there. I was there last Sunday. Okay, good. I got one. I got one. Turn my Bible reading plan on while I was driving to work and yelling at my kids. That got to count somewhere. I mean, isn't that God reading the Bible on the app? So technically, that's two. <laughs> so, like, Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm eight for eight. Well, God bless you <laughs> in your perfect pursuit of God. In this passage that we read, <laughs> it's been four weeks, y'all. I'm still shady. This passage that we read in Genesis 28, there's a man by the name of Jacob. Jacob was having the worst day of his life. See, that's why it's so important to read the Bible in context. When you read just a verse out of it, it's like, oh, he's out in the wilderness. He's, he's laying on a rock. Maybe he went camping. Y'all, he didn't go camping. He was homeless. Why was he homeless? Because he was running for his life. You see, Jacob was the son of Isaac. He was a promised son through the lineage that God had made a promise to make the nation of Israel. Jacob was the second born. He had an older brother named Esau. And when Jacob was born after his brother, they were twins. When Esau came out first, Jacob came out second. And God said, hey, Jacob is going to rule his brother Esau. I know he's the second born, but he's going to have influence. He's going to have favor. He's going to be of kings of kings. And I'm going to use him to make my name great in the land. From that, do you, could you imagine the pressure of before you've taken your first breath, it's spoken over you, you better be great. No pressure, but if you're not the king, bust. I mean, like, here's the context. President of the United States or bust. 
I don't care how much money you made, how many PhDs you have, if you're not number one, nobody remembers number two. And from that moment on, Jacob went on, like many of us do, trying to fulfill the word of God over his life in his own strength. It's something that God spoke over him. But for some reason, Jacob got it confused and he thought God spoke it over him, but it was his responsibility to fulfill it. It's amazing to me how church is supposed to be an encouraging place. It's supposed to be a place of hope, but oftentimes it adds pressure to us instead of takes pressure off. You come to church and you hear, God has a great plan for your marriage. God's going to use your marriage to show the world what love looks like. God God has a plan for your business. God has a plan for your finances. You're going to impact your family. Because of you, generational curses are going to be broken off. And we in church, oh, you better preach it, preach it. Generational curses broken. You stand up, you shout it. Oh, that's good. I receive, I receive. All right, church is over. Now go do it. (laughs) Who, me? And you walk out of church saying, how in the world? You know why they call them generational curses? Because it took out generations. (laughs) And now I'm the one that got to go break poverty. Okay, here we go pressure on instead of pressure off. And here's Jacob trying to make it all work out. Here's what he did, what we often do. He made it worse, not better. He cheated his brother out of his brother's inheritance. By the way, Jacob being the second born, but yet being the ruler of his family was impossible based on the culture of that time. In that time, the firstborn child carried precedence. They received two-thirds of the father's inheritance, and there was a responsibility to take care of the entire family when the father passed away. The idea of Jacob being in charge when he was second-born was physically, naturally, and culturally impossible. But how many people know we serve a God that loves the impossibilities? By the way, we serve a God that puts a special favor on the secondborn. Any firstborns in here? Firstborn, firstborn. Come on, Columbia BWI. Great. You're not favored. There's not favor on the firstborn. There's only favor on the secondborn. And by the way, I am a secondborn. So this is secondborn theology. Some theology kind of comes from life experience. Somebody say that's not Bible. Prove it. Read your Bible. There's favor on the second born. There was Cain. There was Abel. The first two kids who had the favor. The second born. There was Abraham. Watch this. Abraham wasn't the first born. Haran was the first born, but God favored Abraham. There was Jacob and Esau. God picked Jacob. He picked Joseph over his older brothers. He picked David over his older brothers. Oh, he's preaching. Do you know that Jesus was a second born? This guy been off for four weeks and he done missed his Bible. The Bible said the virgin Mary. How in the world was Jesus? No, you read your Bible. The Bible says the first son, Adam, brought sin into the world. But the second son, Jesus, through his blood, broke the curse of sin. You give me four weeks off. I'm going to come back with something. I'm just saying 
Can I tell you why God put his favor on the secondborn? Because he always designed, and don't take this too seriously. I know I'm a secondborn and I mean this, but I'll make it biblical. He designed for us to live a secondborn led life. Watch this. Your physical body was born first on your birthday. But your spirit man, come on now, is your second born. The day you give your life to Jesus, the Bible said you were born again. There's actually two men that are living inside of you, your flesh and your spirit. And life gets jacked up when your flesh is leading. So remember I said I've been a Christian for 21 years. My spirit man is 21 years old. My flesh man is 34 years old. God always designed the 21-year-old to lead the 34-year-old. Life gets jacked up when I'm led by my desires and my urges and my passions and my eyes as opposed to led by the Spirit of God and His grace. And his... By the way, that's why being a Christian is great, but it's not easy. Because some of you are 42 years old, but you've been a Christian for four years. And God expects the four-year-old in you to lead the 42 years of life patterns and perceptions and ideologies. Oh, if I could preach. And then we don't even feed our spirit, man. As much as we feed our flesh and we expect that four-year-old spirit man to be strong enough to overpower this. Thing I didn't do with the message. So anyway, here's Jacob. We're back to Jacob. He's asleep, y'all. He's still asleep. Jacob been asleep for a while. Here's Jacob sleep. He has a vision. And he sees angels. Somebody say ascending and descending. He sees angels going up first, coming down second, and God appears. And Jacob says, surely God was here the whole time, and I didn't realize it. Can you feel the anguish in that statement? I feel like Jacob was looking back over the 30-something years of his life where he was trying to do God things in his own strength. He said, God, you were here the entire time. And I didn't even realize it. Church, I believe that this encounter, this moment, represents what prayer is. I think that's why the angels were ascending before they were descending. Because prayer is not God just throwing stuff on us. Prayer is us casting our cares upon him. Sending up what weighs us down, what confuses us, what we need help with and empowerment for. And him sending down the response, the strength and the power. Hear me, we have a theology that may not be biblical. 
We have this mindset that God is in heaven and there's angels around him that are entertaining him and we are here on earth kind of just struggling and making it up as we go along. But my Bible says that he has commanded the angels to encamp around every single one of us. And could it be that these messengers of God are waiting for us to make a request of God so that they can take it up and bring it back down? And maybe you're like me, and in your Christian walk, your greatest battle, your greatest fight is consistency in prayer. Over these next few weeks, we're going to talk about how do I pray? You know, sometimes we say things in church because we want to make it simple, but we oversimplify things. You know, some people are like, you know, prayer is just talking to God. Ah, it is, but it isn't. Because just because you're talking doesn't mean what you're talking about is going to come to pass. The Bible says in James, you have not because you request unto your own selfish desires. Just because you talk, it doesn't mean that God's going to do it. Here's what he said. He said, anything you ask according to my will. So if you're asking things that aren't, God, I pray you would kill my boss. I mean, bad, you not make him sick. Not, so you don't want to kill him. You just straight Old Testament on that joker. All right. <laughs> There's certain things that you can say he ain't going to do it because it's opposite to his character. And hear me. Prayer is not just talking. Prayer is listening. It, it, it's a conversation. You, you ever had somebody call you on the phone, but they had no intentions of letting you talk? And you're like, but, 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 uh, yeah, 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 but, you, you, you know, he's like, you could just send me a voice memo, because clearly you didn't want to hear anything I had to say. You just need, that's sometimes what our prayer looks like. I feel like sometimes we meet with God to pray, and he's like, but, uh, you, you, no, 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 you, yeah. All right, go ahead. Prayer is not a monologue. Prayer is a conversation. Prayer includes praise. Prayer includes declaration. Prayer includes putting the enemy in his place. Prayer is multi. But here's what I know, no matter what it is, this is what prayer is. Prayer is meeting with God. Prayer is a moment where I recognize and understand. Surely. God's in this place. And I do understand that. Here's, here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. He said, but you, somebody say, that's me. When you pray. I love the assumptions that God makes. He said, you're a Christian. Of course we're going to talk. He's not if you pray. He said, when you pray. He said, go into your room. And when you have shut your door. Pray to your father, watch this, who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Think about a place in your house where you can go undisturbed. Now, some parents just laughed. They say, Pastor, that place does not exist. 
it does not matter where I go. It may be your bathroom. Listen, you need a place where your kids understand if they don't want to meet Jesus today, you better not knock on that door. My mom, when growing up, she didn't have a, a room. She had a chair. It was her prayer chair. Every time we came down in the morning, she was sitting in her chair. She was kneeling down. And we understood if she's in that chair, don't talk to her. You eat whatever you want. You want Frosted Flakes? Get it. If you, if you want to eat, you know, a cheeseburger for breakfast, do whatever. Just don't talk to me until I get out of this. And, and she was so good about her prayer chair. You would talk to her. She would not respond. Mom. And the look was like, you don't exist till 8 a.m. Whatever that room, what's your secret place? Some of you, your secret place is your car. I know you folks. You drive home, but you sit in that car. <laughs> You're like, this is the only five minutes to be. Your spouse called, are you home? Technically. But I'm not on duty till I walk through that door. I'm going to sit in this car. Just get, <laughs> Somebody's feeling. What's your secret place? Just get that picture in your mind. Whatever that secret place is, just imagine tomorrow morning you open the door, you go in. Devontae, come, come, come. Take your mask off. Come, come, come here. Can y'all give it up for God? God's here. God's here, y'all. You, you see, you didn't, you, you didn't know what God looked like. Now you know. God wears yellow Nike shirts. You open the door. To step into that secret place. And the room's not empty. You know, the Bible says he neither sleeps nor slumbers. Which means he was sitting there waiting on you. Before you woke up that morning. He said, I can't wait to meet with you. No. Some of you, not all of you, some of you are late for everything. You'd be late to your own funeral. But, but some of you, you're, you're just a stickler for time. You're, you're, you're just like, I have meetings and I make my meetings. Some, some of you, you get really frustrated if somebody's late to your meeting. You're, you're just like, did you not get the invite? Is it not on your calendar? Did somebody, why, why, why make a meeting if you're not going to be on time for it? So some of, some of you, you, you don't even have to say amen. Just look at it. You, you, you kind of have a rule that if they're not there with the first five minutes, meeting's over. And you get joy in leaving before they show up. <laughs> Disrespect my time. <laughs> some of y'all, you prefer somebody to spit on you than to be late at a meeting. You just wasted my time. Don't you know my time is my money? And I have neither? I don't have a lot of time to wait. When it comes to meetings, we value them. We don't miss. But I just wonder how many mornings our Heavenly Father was sitting in the place of our meeting. We woke up in the morning. Good to see you. You'll be on my audio when I get in the car. Man, I'd love to talk right now, but I got a meeting at work. The job you gave me. 
I meant to talk to you last night, but I was too busy trying to fix the problem that I don't know the solution to, and I didn't get it fixed last night, so I got to run and fix it right now. I'll see you Sunday. Jacob said, surely he was waiting on me the entire time. And I didn't realize it. He was sitting there waiting to take my request up and to bring supernatural answers down. And here am I. You remember back when kids used to go to school? Not, not nowadays, you know. It's, nowadays, just open a laptop. English. But back in the day when they used to like walk out of the door and, and they're out the door, and you're like, well, what, what are you wearing? Did, did you remember your breakfast? You got lunch? Did you do your homework? I, I, I feel sometimes we're, we're rushing out the door past the meeting and, and God is like, you, you forgot mercy. You, you see, the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. And, and, and I know we met yesterday, but yesterday's mercies are not for today. Even if you don't have a lot of time to meet with me, that, that, that there's something that you're... Mer we're, we're running out the door and I feel like God is saying, but, but I got goodness and mercy and it's supposed to follow you today. I think one of the reasons why we're so inconsistent with our prayer life is because we've lost the revelation of who we're meeting with. We're meeting with the creator of the universe, with God himself. And he's not going to get there after you get there. He was there before you woke up. <laughs> Sitting there saying, hey, uh, when you're ready, I'm here. You can, you can move on. I think I'm a better, better God than you. I'm, I'm out of time. I've been out for four weeks, so I got like seven messages in this one one. So we'll, we'll, we'll give you some points. Don't worry. You'll get your three points. You'll go home all clean and all that. But we're just going to flow a little bit. I feel like God is saying, I, I know you don't have a lot of time. But if you could just take a moment and meet with me. You see, I know, I know you're getting ready to go do your day. But I've already been to the end of this day. And I really just came back here to this meeting to let you know what you're getting ready to walk into. You see, the Bible says that he lives outside of time. You, you ain't got the Friday yet, but he's already been there. He's seen it and he's worked it out for your good. And what he would like to do is now come and sit with you on Monday and prepare you for what you're getting ready to walk into on Friday. like when we finally do meet with God we come storming in there how come you didn't tell me what I was getting ready to walk into and he's saying I tried I wanted to but you missed the meeting most of us have meetings at our job some of you, you the boss, you don't got me with nobody, God bless you. The rest of us, we got me. At least once a year, am I still employed here? Okay, good, just, just check it. 
Think about your job. If you miss every single meeting, how long do you think you're going to have that job? But yet we consistently meet, miss that meeting with God. Men are wondering why we're lacking fulfillment, we're lacking joy, we're lacking purpose, we're lacking progress. We look around our life and we don't see the supernatural favor and blessings of God. And he said, you, you get it in the, in the meeting. Y'all ready for three points in three seconds? All right, it's all the time I have. Here we go. Point number one. When I meet with God, prayer confirms the I am's. Prayer is where God reveals the I am's in our heart. Here's what he said to Jacob. So the angels are ascending and descending. Jacob sees God at the, at the head of that ladder. And here's the... F- Y'all better be happy I'm not God. Because if you had skipped 32 years of meetings with me like Jacob had, and then you got the nerve to show up when you were rock bottom, that lost everything, messed it all up. I'm, if I'm God, I'm like, oh, now you want to meet, huh? <laughs> now you're blowing your life up. Now you expect me to fix it. Now you want to meet, huh? All right, sit down. Let's do this. You know, that wasn't what God said. You know, the first words out of God's mouth when he met with Jacob for the first time, he said, I am. I'm the God of your father, Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I am, I am, I am, I am. You know what God started to do? He started to unroll his resume and say, hey, before we even have a conversation, I need you to catch a revelation of who you are meeting with. I'm the God who has never missed. I'm the God who has never failed. I'm the God who has never lied. I'm the God that calls things that are not as though they are. I'm the God that looks at dead situations and calls them alive. I'm the God that looks at sickness and speaks healing. I'm the God that looks at impossibilities and says there is nothing impossible for me. So before we start this prayer session, before you start complaining and bemoaning and telling me about the impossibilities that you're facing in your life, just get you a load of who I am. And then let's start talking. Could it be that what we call prayer is actually just complaining? And could it be the basis of our complaining is we don't know who we're meeting with. God is so concerned about you knowing who. Here's what he said to the disciples in the New Testament. He said, who do they say that I am? Here's what Jesus said. What's my reputation out there? Peter said, you know, some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're, you know, you're, you're John the Baptist. Some say you're a prophet. But here's what he said. Forget what they say. Because what they say doesn't affect you. Who do you say that I am? Who who, who do you think that you're meeting with? Because here's what the Bible says in the book of Daniel. It says, they who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. God says, if you know who I am, there's nothing that's impossible for you. But if you don't know who I am, your expectations are going to reflect that. So watch this. Peter says, you are none other than the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. And watch this. He said, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. But my father, somebody say my father. 
my father. And do y'all love God's word? We will when you explain what you just said. He said, Peter, the only way you figured out who I was was in prayer. Meeting with your heavenly father. You see, it's in those meetings with God that we get to know who he really is. When we realize who he really is, we realize there's no problem we can face that he has not overcome. He said, Jacob, I am the God of your fathers. And he said, and I will reveal, I mean, give you all this land that's in front of you. It's in that moment of prayer. Prayer reveals the I am's. But prayer also releases the I wills in our lives. So here it is, Jacob, ignoring God, building his destiny according to what he thinks God has for him. I feel like God is like, hey, Jacob, what you doing? God, I'm fulfilling my purpose. I'm building a life you'd be proud of. How are you going to do that without me? Because what I gave you to build, you can't build in your own strength. He came to Jacob and he didn't say, Jacob, what's going on in your life? He said, Jacob, here's what I'm doing in your life. Here's what we don't understand about prayer. Prayer is not trying to convince God to be on our side. God has been on your side before you were born. God had a plan and a purpose for your life. I feel like the Holy Spirit, as I'm preparing this message, he said, Stephen, tell them that I'm more committed to their success than they are. He said, I'm more committed to you having the marriage I've envisioned for you even more than you are. I started it. I'm more committed to your career being all that it possibly could be. Here's what the Bible says in Philippians. He said, he who began a good work in you, he will see it through to completion. Do you understand there's not a part of your life that God's not in? There's not a part of your life that God doesn't have a plan for? There's not a part of your life that, yeah, but he's God. So his plans, no offense, it's going to be boring. Like his plan is like, don't be ratchet. All right. (laughs) His plan is help people meet Jesus. Great. It's not my plan. My plan's in that neighborhood over there that I'm saving up to live in one day. My my, my plan's on that car lot over there. (laughs) Six more months and I'm there, baby. (laughs) My, My plan is that office in the corner that I walk past every morning. And that joker who doesn't deserve the job is sitting at my desk. That's my plan. Hear me. God's plan is not just getting people saved. God's plan is not just you living a holy life. He said, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God has plans of joy, plans of peace, plans of fulfillment, plans of happiness, plans of prosperity. Listen to me. The plans that he has for you are better than anything that you could plan for yourself. And he said, yeah, you're building something, but I'm building something too. I'm telling you what I build, you'll love more than what you're building yourself. Last thing is this. When I meet with God, when I meet in prayer, my prayer reveals his I am's. It reveals his I will's, but it also reveals his I will be's. 
He said, Jay, by the way, coincidentally, in this moment of prayer between God and Jacob, God didn't ask Jacob one question. He actually didn't really even, I'd have been like, what are you doing out here? I'd have rubbed it all in his face. Running for your life, huh? Messed your whole life up, huh? Yeah, probably, probably should have gone to church, huh? He didn't ask him one question. He said, I am the God that has a perfect track record. I will fulfill all the desires of your heart because I put them in your heart in the first place. And he said, and I will be with you in everything that you're getting ready to walk into. Here's what I discovered. Anything in your life that can steal your joy, that can steal your happiness, that can cause worry, anxiety, fear, emptiness, anything falls into one of three categories. Doesn't matter what it is, it could be trauma, whatever. Whatever is stealing your joy, it falls into one of three categories. It's either trauma from the past, a problem in the present, or uncertainty about the future. Like, just, just take a moment. Think about everything that you're worried about right now. You're either worried about your, fa- your past catching up with you, your present not working out, or the uncertainty of the future. He said, I am, I will, and I will be. I am, I will, and I will be. I am, I will, and I will be. The only thing that could ever cause you any problem is your past, your present, or your future. And God says, I am, I will, and I will. It reminds me of what the Bible says. He said, I am the Alpha, and I am the Omega. I am the one who is, the one who was, and the one who is to come. He said, don't you understand who you are meeting with? I'm the God that because of my blood, I have erased anything from your past that can torment you in your present. I am the God who is with you and is working out every situation for your good. And I am the God who will be with you. I've gone ahead of you. Anything that can cause us torment, The only one that can fix it is waiting for you. In your closet, a Monday morning, saying, I'm the God of your grandma. Let's talk about how I renew past. I'm the God that's at work in your Monday. Let's talk about how this is going to work out for your good. I'm the God of the future. John 14 says this. Jesus talking to his disciples. He said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And he said, when that place is prepared, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you and I'm going to take you there. Hear me. God, the Father, or Jesus has gone to heaven to prepare a place for us. Somebody say amen. 
But he has not just gone to heaven to prepare a place for you. He's gone to your Friday to prepare a place for you. He's gone to your September to prepare a place for you. He's gone to your December to prepare a place for you. And when he meets you on Monday, he's just coming back from your future to take you to a place that he's already been there. Here's Jacob saying, I'm getting ready to die. Esau's going to kill me. And because God had seen Jacob 60 years later walking into Pharaoh's palace because his son Joseph was second in command in the most powerful nation on the planet. God said, not only are you not going to die, your future is so bright, you're going to need sunglasses. You have no idea the influence that I'm going to use your family for. You have no idea how I'm going to turn you into a nation. If you had just seen what I've seen in your future, you would walk through the storm that you're in right now saying, yeah, it's rough, but I know someone who's been on the other side. And they tell me it's above and beyond anything that I could ever ask, think, or imagine. Hey, church, here's what I'm asking. This month of August, let's not miss any meetings. Listen, I'm not saying to spend an hour with God every morning. What I'm saying is just start somewhere. It's actually better to pray 15 minutes a day every day than to pray four hours on Wednesday and then not talk to God for another week. So let's just make a commitment. Hey, tomorrow, maybe five minutes, I'm going to spend time in my quiet place, undisturbed. If you're like me, you got to leave your phone on the outside. Meeting with the one who was and is, and is to come. Pastor, I'm good on five minutes. Okay, let's go for 15. I meet with God every day for 15 minutes. Okay, let's do 30. Wherever you are, it's just increasing. And watch a peace that surpasses all understanding. Guard your heart and guard your mind. If you one quick thing, we'll pray and we'll close. On your way in the door, you receive this prayer card. And what we're asking as we get ready to go into 21 days of prayer next week, Sunday, is that you would fill this out. If you received one, make sure to grab another one on the way out the door because you need to. And what I'm asking, and you have a week, you don't have to do it right now, you have a week to kind of think through it and prepare for it. But I'm asking you to write three things that you're believing God for. And let's say this, not in 21 days, but between now and the end of the year. The first thing I want you to write on this card are three names of people that you're going to pray for and invite to church on Welcome Home Sunday on September 12th. Never heard of Welcome Home Sunday? It's the Sunday that we pivot and say, hey, this Sunday is not about us being blessed. This Sunday is about people encountering the same hope that we found in Jesus. But before we invite them, can we dedicate 21 days of praying over them? So write those three names on the first. On the second one, write a tangible prayer, not, not a super spiritual prayer. God, I need a raise. God, I'm praying that you would bless my marriage. God, I'm praying for my children as they're applying to this school. God, I'm praying for a spouse. God, I'm praying for a child. Whatever it may be, write in on that. And the third prayer, write something spiritual. God, help me understand your word more. God, put a hunger and a thirst for righteousness in me. God, God use me in a great way. 
And here's what we're asking, that you would fill two cards out. One card, drop it in the box on the way out the door. The second card with the exact same prayers on it, put somewhere where you can find it. Put it in your Bible, put it on, on, on your dashboard, in your car, on your wear no, or something, something to remind you, here's what I'm praying for over the 21 days. The cards that you turn in, they're gonna be on the altar Monday through Friday, all week long when we're in the building praying. And somebody else is gonna grab your card, watch this, and they're gonna pray over your prayer request for you. Here's why. The Bible says if two of you agree together on anything, that God is guaranteed to do it for you. So we don't want you just crying out to God by yourself. We're our church. That's what the church is for. We're gonna to come together and believe God together for his grace and his favor and his mercy to break out in your life. Amen. Hey, let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful. God, that you desire to meet with us. God, we're grateful as we walk into our meeting with you tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. You're not there saying, where have we been? How do we mess things up? You're there excited saying, this is who I am. This is who I will be. This is what I'm going to do in your life. Father God, I pray even now that you'd give us a hunger and a desperation for your presence. Right where you are, if you could say this prayer with me, with your eyes closed, your head bowed, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give God a moment of time to make this message personal to you. Maybe if you'd be honest, you would say, Pastor, I've never met with God before in my life. Maybe you've showed up to church your whole life, but you've just felt so distant from God or Maybe this is your first time tuning in online or in an atmosphere like this. You're like, Pastor, that first meeting is going to be awkward. I've never spoken to him before. We have a distant relationship. It doesn't have to be awkward. Because you could change the proximity of that relationship right now. You see, when Jesus hung on the cross, he removed anything that can keep you from him except your will. He's just waiting for you to respond. You say, Pastor, I don't have a relationship with God, but I want one. Pastor, I used to have a relationship and it's just strained and I need to come back to God. If that's you, wherever you find yourself, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Father God, thank you for seeing me. Thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for wanting me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross as payment for my mistakes, for my sin, so that I can be made new. Today, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church, can you celebrate for every single person that just made the greatest decision Ever.